However, when we look back at that early Founding Fathers era, a lot of times people in the marijuana movement Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. The Russ Belleville Show. The voice of the marijuana nation. It's like marijuana ought to be legalized. Good people smoke marijuana. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. All right, good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, February 8th, 2017, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. we got plenty for you on this Hemp Day Hump Day. And coming up on the show today, we will start with our cannabis news. In the headlines today, we're looking right here at the state of Oregon, where there is a new bill proposed and supported by Portland Normal that would protect the employment rights of marijuana-using consumers off-duty. So uh, we'll take a look at that in our news. In our cannabis focus today, we are going to take a look at Senator Jeff Sessions, who's likely to be approved as Attorney General. We've got our government at work with a review of the latest bills. Our guest today, Michael Kravitz from Veterans for Medical Cannabis Access. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis News. This is your Cannabis News for Wednesday, February 8th, 2017. Employers in Oregon would be prohibited from banning marijuana use by employees during their days off under a bill introduced in the Oregon Senate. SB 301 would make it unlawful for employers to condition employment on, quote, refraining from using any substance that is lawful to use in Oregon, end quote. Measure 91 legalized recreational marijuana in the state, but it did not affect existing employment law. The bill aims to amend a state law about the use of tobacco to include cannabis and any other substance that is legal in the state. But if a collective bargaining agreement prohibits off-duty use of such a substance, that rule would take precedence. A New Hampshire House committee voted to advance a bill that would make the state the last in New England to finally decriminalize marijuana possession. The legislation, HB 640, would reduce the penalty for possessing one ounce or less of marijuana to a violation punishable by a fine of $100 for first-time offenders. Subsequent law enforcement encounters within a period of three years would see gradually increasing fines. Under current law, low-level cannabis possession is a misdemeanor, punishable by up to one year in jail. On Tuesday, the House Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee voted 14-2 to to advance the decrim bill to the House floor. The Wisconsin State Senate has overwhelmingly approved a bill that would make it legal to use a marijuana extract to treat seizures. The measure legalizes possession of cannabidiol oil with a doctor's certification. Chamber adopted the bill on a 31-to-1 vote Wednesday. Republican Senator Dewey Strobel was the only senator to vote against it. Parents of children who suffer from seizures say cannabidiol oil, which doesn't produce a high, can ease symptoms. Democratic Senator Chris Larson argued the bill doesn't go far enough, pointing out that importing the oil into Wisconsin would remain illegal. He tried to amend the bill to allow production of the oil in the state, 
but Republicans refused to revise the measure. The bill goes next to the Assembly. The NFL Players Association's Board of Player Representatives meets in March in Scottsdale, Arizona. DeMaurice Smith, the NFLPA's executive director, has said the union's leadership is preparing a proposal for consideration by the player reps that would lead to the sport's drug policy taking a less punitive approach toward recreational marijuana use by players. That proposal, if approved by the player reps, would be forwarded to the league, which also would have to ratify it for marijuana-related changes to be enacted under the sport's collectively bargained drug policy. The NFLPA's proposal regarding recreational marijuana use is to come while the union separately studies the potential benefits of marijuana as a pain management tool for players and whether it believes that such use should be made permissible. Israel could be on the verge of expanding its significantly small medical marijuana industry in a significant way. In the span of 10 days, the country, known for its history and expertise in medical marijuana research, has seen a flurry of policy moves in the areas of technology development, decriminalization, and the potential export of medical cannabis. Establishing an export market could generate upwards of 1 billion shekels, or $267 million U.S., in new tax revenue for the country. Member of Knesset Yoav Kish, the export bill's sponsor, told the Jerusalem Post, The advancement of the export legislation comes less than two weeks after the country's public security minister endorsed decriminalization and the agriculture ministry pledged investing millions of dollars in 13 medical cannabis research projects. A three-year-old Irish boy with severe epilepsy has been asked to leave his preschool for using cannabis oil for treatment. Tristan Ford, age three, from Dunmanway, County Cork, was the first person in Ireland to be legally allowed to use cannabis for medicinal purposes. The youngster, who suffers from Dravet syndrome, was enrolled in a preschool by his mother, Yvonne Callahan, last month. However, Yvonne received a registered letter to her home this week, stating there was no longer a place available for Tristan at the preschool in Bantry. This has been your Cannabis News for Wednesday, February 8th, 2017. I'm Russ Belville. The issue is bigger than technical matter we're discussing today, in my opinion. This is a huge, huge issue. I was United States Attorney when President Reagan was elected in the early 80s. Half the high school seniors in America had used an illegal drug. Uh, that over 12, 15 years went to less than half that, less than 25%. Would you say that was a, an advantage? a health advantage to young people in America, the drug use declined? I will stipulate that uh, certainly less drug use is better. All right. Uh, what about marijuana legalization in Colorado? Did you take a public position on that? Uh, I do not take public positions on political issues. I, I, I think generally that's a bad policy for U.S. attorneys. Uh, we try to maintain our role as the enforcers of law, I've not the been there. I know the tension on that. But in the past... Uh, uh, U.S. attorneys, drugs are, has opposed it. Does President Obama oppose states adopting legalization of marijuana? 
I, I don't know exactly what, what positions he's taken with respect to Colorado well, that's and Washington. A, a terrible comment that the United States attorney that works for the president of the United States not know whether he opposes or favors legalization of marijuana. He certainly has said some things that indicate he thinks it's a very little problem. But these data show that it is. Uh, so you got this huge increase in um, marijuana-related emergency room visits. This is as obvious as night following day. You make more marijuana, more available, uh, you basically say it's not very dangerous and that young people have a right to participate with it and uh, others, older people do too. You're going to have more problems. Wouldn't you agree? I, I, I certainly think that uh, increases in marijuana use are, are bad. And for public health, I totally agree with that. Uh -huh. And I think there's been an increase uh, recently, Our certainly here in uh, out in Sacramento, my district, uh, our focus is on opioid and heroin uh, increase, which has been quite uh, quite uh, an unfortunate upturn in overdose uh, prescription pills. I know in the Sacramento area, just in the last 10 days, we've had nine people die from fentanyl uh, overdoses. Uh, and that's fentanyl something which we are... Heroin or just fentanyl? Uh, just, no, not heroin. They are apparently uh, prescription uh, drugs that have been laced with fentanyl. Uh, and we, that is uh, something that we've been spending sort of... Well, that's a the last huge issue, weeks. but I just, just from my experience in dealing with, uh, we need to set a nationwide, we need a nationwide understanding about problem. This is very real. Are you aware that the American Medical Association just last year issued a report that hammered this idea that mar marijuana is not dangerous? And they were particularly concerned about the mental impacts it has on young people. Are you familiar with that? I, I, I am. I, do you I've have any that. doubt about that? No, I, do, I don't have any doubt about that, Your Honor. Did the drugs are of the United yep. States of America make any uh, opinion, express any opinion to, marijuana, to Colorado about possible dangerous impacts of uh, marijuana legalization? Colorado. I, I, I know the drug czar has been quite articulate about some of the dangers associated with marijuana. In fact, um, uh, Mr. Botticelli, when he was uh, just before he became drug czar, came out to California with us uh, and participated in some marijuana enforcement operations where we uh, went up into the North State, flew over some uh, some uh, very large marijuana grows uh, in the course of our operation. So I know he's been quite committed to supporting us. In fact, he supported an expansion of the HIDA us. to do more enforcement in our district on marijuana. Well, um, what I want to just say to you and those who might be listening is it's far more important than just um, details of whether federal prosecutors start prosecuting marijuana cases Colorado. Colorado was one of the leading states started the movement suggest that marijuana is not dangerous. And we're going to find it, in my opinion, ripple throughout the entire American citizenry. We're going to see more marijuana use. Not going to be good. We're going to see more other drug use, illegal drug use, also damaging. I mean, we need grown-ups in charge in Washington say marijuana is not the kind of thing that ought to be legalized, it ought not to be uh, minimized, that it's in fact a very real danger. Uh, you can see the accidents, traffic deaths related to marijuana jumped 
20%. These are the kind of things that we're going to see throughout the country, and you'll see cocaine and heroin uh, increase more than it would have, I think, had we not talked about it. Well, um, is there any sense that Colorado might reevaluate what they've done? I know that there is a lot of discussion back and forth between the U.S. Attorney's Office and uh, uh, the state authorities in Colorado about um, issues that we're seeing, issues that we're concerned about. Um, And uh, I understand that the state authorities have been uh, receptive to our concerns. I don't know the details of of what they're doing about them, but uh, citing some of the data that uh, Senator Grassley uh, presented earlier, we're concerned about that data, and we're talking to Colorado about it. I know the same is true in California. Well, I hope you'll speak out. I yeah. mean, you're you're able to, as a citizen of Colorado, say you think this is dangerous. I work with it every day. I see the uh, danger and damage it does, and I think the president needs. I think one of his great failures, been obvious to me. His lax treatment. Uh, One of his big failures. I experimented with marijuana a time or two. Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. Yeah, i just like to thank you for being the cannabis crusader out there. You're a trusted voice in the industry, so keep doing what you do. Oh. I really appreciate it. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Warning. It's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. That sucks. I hate Yeah. <laughs> A public service message from the Russ Belleville Show. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. Today at Government at Work, we're going to take a look at some of the states that are moving forward on marijuana reform legislation. In Georgia, we've got a couple of bills to talk about. Uh, First of all, Georgia is one of those states that already has a limited medical marijuana law, what we like to call a CBD-only law that allows uh, certain patients to get cannabidiol oil, the non-psychoactive constituent of cannabis. Well, that limited medical marijuana law could be expanded to include autism. Currently, it uh, deals mostly with seizure disorders, epilepsy, and such, but uh, this could be expanded to include autism under Senate Bill 16. Uh, It passed Tuesday out of the state Senate committee, but some medical marijuana advocates are opposed to this bill. The CBD bill or the CBD law currently in the state of Georgia allows the CBD oil to have a maximum of 5% THC. And this is pretty unique among the uh, CBD only states. Most of them allow, you know, less than 1%, even 0.3% 
THC, basically, you know, industrial hemp levels. Georgia's was uh, better than most in allowing 5% THC. This Senate Bill 16 that would add autism would reduce the allowable amount of THC from 5% down to 3%. So it's a very difficult political trade-off. You want to add autism, but you don't want to lower that THC level. That would uh, harm a lot of the patients who need it. Now, uh, parents who uh, have children who take this cannabis oil testified that the 5% THC is necessary. If, they low, if it's lowered to 3%, it could have a devastating effect on their kids. Now, the uh, state senator who is sponsoring this is Ben Watson, a Republican out of Savannah. He's also a medical doctor. And he said that this rollback, the uh, reduction down to 3%, was in response to some concerns over the law from senators. And uh, it allows patients to have up to 20 ounces of this cannabis oil for cancer, Parkinson's, epilepsy, and five other conditions. And too many of them are afraid that with the 5% THC, it may somehow be abused. Uh, I can assure you this is ridiculous. Nobody in the adult use market is looking for 5% THC. There's another bill a much broader piece of legislation to expand the list of eligible illnesses that's being considered currently in the house uh house bill 65 is expected to be moved forward today representative alan peak the republican from macon is leading this bill he's in the house medical cannabis working group it would expand the list of illnesses to include alzheimer's disease autism hiv aids intractable pain post-traumatic stress and tourette's syndrome Then another bill in Georgia, Senate Bill 105, is a decriminalization bill that has been proposed. This would uh, subject people possessing up to a half an ounce of marijuana to a fine not to exceed $300. Uh, If it's between half an ounce to two-thirds of an ounce, it would be a misdemeanor, 12 months, and $1,000 fine. Now, moving on to other states. In the uh, state of Utah, Another state, in fact, the first state to pioneer the cannabidiol oil laws, uh, they are looking to expand medical marijuana research in the state. House Bill 130 passed 70 to 2 in the Utah House, and it's been sent to the Senate. The sponsor of the bill is uh, Representative Brad Daw, a Republican from Orem, Utah. He argues that the states have done it backwards when it comes to medical marijuana. Usually they legalize it and then they do the research. He says his bill gets the order right that, quote, good data makes good decisions. Let's get some good data so we can make good decisions, end quote. Well, if you get the good data, then Utah is bound to be moving forward with medical marijuana. Some of the other states involved in marijuana reform currently, uh, the state of Arkansas. This is a, a terrible bill that has been filed in the state of Arkansas. House Bill 1451. You know that Arkansas just passed its medical marijuana law, no home grow, very strict conditions and so forth, a very strict medical marijuana law. This bill, HB 1451, uh, has been drawn up to prevent members of the Arkansas National Guard from acquiring medical cannabis cards. As a former National Guardsman myself, I am appalled by this as if our National Guard, especially those serving in Arkansas who who may have done some uh, uh, active duty time in in uh, the theater of war out there in the Middle East, in Afghanistan, in, in Iraq, these people could benefit from the pain relief, from the post-traumatic stress relief that you get from medical cannabis. 
This bill would prevent them from doing so. In the state of New Mexico, Senate Joint Resolution 19 has been filed to allow the voters to decide on a constitutional amendment for the personal possession and use of marijuana. Full-on legalization state of New Mexico being proposed as a legislatively referred constitutional amendment. In the state of Hawaii, House Bill 836 has been filed. This is a bill that would allow the inter-island transportation of medicinal marijuana products. This is something that's unique to Hawaii in that uh, trying to get medical marijuana from one island to another involves federal transport in some way. It's either going to be federal airspace, you know, FAA jurisdiction, or it's going to be on the water, uh, juris- uh, nautical jurisdiction. So uh, a very important bill here in Hawaii to help the patients there and help the providers be able to move the marijuana from island to island. In uh, the state of Minnesota, two Democratic state lawmakers have int- will be introducing bills to legalize recreational marijuana in Minnesota. These bills aren't expected to go very far with the uh, Republican-controlled legislature. And finally, in the state of Kansas, a Kansas lawmaker, Senator David Haley, a Democrat from Kansas City, is planning to introduce one bill for medicinal use of marijuana in Kansas, another one to legalize adult use. And again, uh, the bill may not make it far, but Haley's optimistic. He says the Kansas legislature has become far more moderate since the November election. All right, stay tuned when we come back. We've got Michael Kravitz on the line talking about PTSD for medical marijuana in Colorado. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we're going to talk about football because yesterday, of course, was Super Bowl 51, and the New England Patriots stunned the football world by making a 25-point comeback, 31 unanswered points to win the Super Bowl. A lot of my friends in Atlanta are very sad today to see them blow a 28 to 3 lead in the Super Bowl. I, you know, there's no denying it now. Tom Brady is definitely the greatest quarterback of all time. Bill Belichick, perhaps the greatest football coach of all time. Doesn't make me very happy since, uh, they're all fans and friends of Donald Trump, but that's the way the ball bounces and, uh, In the NFL, of course, the story we've been following here at the Russ Belville Show has had to do with the use of cannabis as a medical option for the players dealing with pain and the players dealing with the traumatic brain injuries and concussions that can occur through the repeated hits these people take in the league. And there's been a new poll that has come out. There is a group called Cannabis for Professional Sports. And last Wednesday, they held a convention 
They had some big name players there at the convention. Folks like former NFL quarterback Jim McMahon was arguing that pot is better at relieving pain than the prescription painkillers. Of course, uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell uh, still is dragging his feet with regards to cannabis and medical marijuana, uh, saying he's not open to revising the NFL's marijuana rules, saying his doctors, his people haven't gotten enough information yet. I guess 20 years of medical marijuana in California just isn't quite enough information yet. The Players Union and current players, on the other hand, are trying their best to convince the NFL that this needs to change. They are tired of taking the toxic, addictive opioid painkillers, and they're tired of not getting the best possible preventative medicine for the brain trauma they suffer week in and week out. So ESPN decided to take a poll of 226 players from the NFL to ask them about pot use in the league. And according to this poll, 71% of NFL players support the legalization of marijuana in the United States. Uh, They use pot for pain control, and they say that this needs to change. The NFL's testing and punishment for marijuana needs to change. The uh, poll results also show that 22% of the players in the league know of a teammate who has used marijuana before a game. More than one out of five players know somebody who is using marijuana before the games. And when asked if it was hard to beat the NFL's drug testing system for marijuana, 67% of the players said, no, it's pretty easy to beat it. They say uh, they can... They say it's not hard to beat that test. And of course, this last year, the test was announced on April 20th. That's right, 420, the annual drug test for the NFL. For now, NFL will still ban the use of marijuana by its players. And there is a a first-time offense gets you a four-game suspension. So it's pretty serious. Taking a look around the United States, we've got some other polls to uh, bring to you as well in drug war data mining. New poll out of WFMY News 2 in North Carolina finds that 71% of the viewers there in North Carolina say marijuana should be legalized. Another 17% said it should be legalized for medical reasons only, and only 12% of the respondents in this North Carolina poll said that marijuana should not be legal. Great news coming out of North Carolina, but do keep in mind we're talking about a television poll. It may not be the most scientific of polls. We were speaking earlier about the state of Virginia. There was a poll that came out in Virginia conducted by Christopher Newport University's Wasson Center for Public Policy. There's a poll of 1,002 voters over the end of January. And according to the poll in Virginia, 76% of voters in the state of Virginia support the decriminalization of personal use of marijuana. Only 20% of the Virginia respondents opposed the decriminalization of marijuana. So between North Carolina and Virginia, we're getting some really good poll numbers now on reforming marijuana laws. Looking also at another North Atlantic or Mid-Atlantic state, uh, the state of Maryland. According to a Washington Post University of Maryland poll, 61% of Maryland residents support legalization and believe the legislature should move forward on that initiative. Uh, 
I should say bill because they don't have initiatives in Maryland or Virginia or North Carolina. All three of those states are going to have to pass any sort of marijuana reform through their state legislators. So it's important for those of you living in those kind of states to make sure that you are in touch with your state legislators and let them know that you support the reform of marijuana laws. These laws aren't going to change themselves. And if you need any help, any data, any of these poll numbers, any of the scientific studies to convince your legislators that this is necessary, you can email me radicalrus at gmail.com. I'll be glad to send you links to the studies and other places that you can look and get some more help. Also, I'd encourage you to join your local chapter of normal. There's Virginia normal, which I just came back from their conference. They're doing a great job. There's Maryland normal. I've met some of the folks from Maryland normal as well. They're pushing some great measures in their legislature. There's a North Carolina normal that you can get involved with. All three of those organizations will have all the information you need, the names of the delegates and senators, the names of the bills. You should get involved. Become a marijuana activist. Remember, the first three letters of activism are ACT. Make that call today. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's time for our cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Stay tuned. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. Good people don't smoke marijuana. All right. Well, maybe you're high, too. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. All right, welcome everybody to our Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Mitch, are you hearing me okay over there? Indeed, I hear you just fine. Fantastic. Welcome to our Season 5 premiere. We're back on YouTube, and we've got Dr. Mitch on the line. If you've got any calls or questions for Dr. Mitch, the phone lines are open now at uh, 650-LEGAL-MJ. That number again is 650-LEGAL-MJ. And Dr. Mitch, how are you doing today? 
Oh, having a good day. Thanks for asking. Glad to hear about that. Now, we've been off the air for just a little bit, and while we were gone, there were all sorts of studies and science that we need to get to. Let's start with this massive meta-analysis that was undertaken, the world's most comprehensive study on marijuana. Uh, A lot of people were uh, bringing this up and saying that this is finally the federal government admitting marijuana is medical. Is, Is that the case? What can we learn from this, Dr. Mitch? I want to emphasize that there are no new data here. It's all a review, but they looked at literally 10,000 scientific abstracts. The beloved Dr. Donald Abrams was on this committee. My friend Lorraine Collins did some work with this. It's been a a really comprehensive report. And so, yeah, it's a little bit hedging on a few things. And they're, uh, you know, for the sake of clarity and thoroughness, Uh, mentioning every possible uh, negative outcome, but there were a few really positive ones that certainly didn't uh, appear the last time the National Academy of Science looked at this. So they're real big on, say, the MS-related spasticity. We see some nice uh, discussion about how chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting can be helped. They were pretty candid about the idea that cannabis-causing schizophrenia is probably spurious at best or only present in an incredibly high risk group. And then they were, um, you know, at least willing to emphasize that uh, depression, anxiety, PTSD um, seems to be uh, potentially treated with cannabis in a subset of folks, but that uh, a subset of folks with those disorders tend to use it. And so it creates this appearance as if cannabis might be uh, increasing the chances of developing them. And then the, the you know, rather understandable uh, jumping up and down about heavy use early in life being a bad idea. Yeah, a lot of these things we've discussed on the show before, and it's it's nice that they got this all into one place for us to look at it. And uh, I'll provide the link for anyone that wants that just to email me, RadicalRuss at gmail.com. Another story that we got to uh, here is that scientists are starting to believe cannabis is a wonder drug for multiple sclerosis. I got a number of friends with MS who swear by it. Uh, Is there anything new in this study? Well, what's nice more than anything is that this is a crew that has not been a particularly pro-cannabis crew. These are folks who are part of a University of Colorado MS-type lab. And so for them to come out and say this, I think... Uh, at least says either minds are changing or people are less afraid than they used to be about uh, coming right out and saying, look, both THC and CBD really have a role in helping folks with MS. Well, that's good news. And uh, we will continue to uh, monitor that study and others. Uh, The folks in the in the MS community uh, need this information. All right. Our other study that we've got here, of course, uh, a lot of folks are talking about the opioid epidemic. We hear this time and time again from uh, governors and various state level politicians that are freaking out over the use of heroin, Oxycontin, Vicodin, Percocet, these type of opioids. And the scientists now are starting to believe that cannabis uh, will ease the burden of opioid addiction. We've talked about this on the show before. And how does this work, Dr. Mitch? What are they finding about cannabis and opioid withdrawal and addiction? Well, what's neat to see is that, in fact, both THC, which we always are always kind of new, but also CBD seems to help with those withdrawal symptoms and the craving associated with opiates. 
and it teaches us a bit about how, you know, the human mind works, but more than anything, just uh, emphasizes that here's a, a drug that really doesn't even work directly in that opiate system. And so it's got a lot more chance of being successful rather than, say, substituting methadone or some other sort of uh, opioid-type drug in an, in an effort to reduce craving and, and, and relapse and things like that. And I do hope that a small study like this one, which shows that cannabidiol can be helpful, will inspire further work and, to tell you the truth, just loosen up the whole attitude about this sort of thing. Yeah, it, th- this would be nice. And, and we saw we uh, I was in Virginia this last weekend for the uh, Virginia Cannabis Conference. And that was something the the delegates there that were speaking uh, to the audience were talking a lot about this opiate uh, epidemic, like having a lot of problems in Virginia and West Virginia and so forth. And they say that that's starting to move the needle a little, little bit in the uh, legislatures because they're starting to see that, well, you know, mar- they may hate marijuana, but they hate the heroin epidemic worse. So we'll keep our eyes on this as well. All right. We've got another uh, topic here on topicals. This is interesting because we have uh, the topicals industry here in the legal states is is growing quite rapidly. Uh, older folks especially like to be able to rub on a cannabis uh, lotion or balm for arthritis or, or soreness. And this study here is saying that consistent use of marijuana topicals will not trip a drug test. Why is that, Dr. Mitch? Oh, it's intriguing to think back, oh, just a few years ago when we were just starting working together, I didn't even believe that the topicals created a, a detectable level of THC and that I thought it was all placebo. I've since wisened up a bit, but the bottom line is the cannabinoid receptors involved in the localized pain can be stimulated with a topical so that you don't really have any centralized digestion or even presence of THC, so it never reaches a detectable level in the main part of the bloodstream. There's not a lot of liver involvement or breaking down into 11-hydroxy-THC. So all the things that we normally see looked for in a, a blood screen or a urine screen really aren't present at concentrations high enough to be qualified as detectable. And so you can rub these on essentially with impunity and go to work the next day and pee right in the cup. But I don't want to be too excited about that because I hate the idea that anybody has to pee in the cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it isn't that we should be trying to come up with can, uh, cannabis products that don't trip drug tests. We should just be getting rid of the drug tests. Sad but true. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And speaking of the drug tests, uh, one of the ways that many people try to get around a drug test, try to avoid turning up positive for marijuana metabolites is through the use of synthetic marijuana, the so-called K2 or spice that we've uh, seen in various bodegas and head shops for years and years and years. Uh, a new study is telling us now that this synthetic marijuana can be fatal to our health. Now, we know that natural cannabis doesn't kill people, but can this synthetic stuff actually kill people, Dr. Mitch? Sad but true, and it's wild because the guys who invented these chemicals were really trying to find something that they could use in animal research to stimulate that cannabinoid receptor as strongly as possible. A full-blown Uh, agonist for that receptor to really get a feel for what it's doing. Good old THC from cannabis is kind of a partial agonist and might create some relatively light neurotransmission in the cannabinoid system 
by comparison. It uh, doesn't lend itself to an easy metaphor, but if you can imagine uh, you've got a little flashlight battery that you've been lighting with a, a small, uh, using a small little light, and then you try to uh, put that little dinky light bulb in your 120 volt uh, electricity course it's going to burn out and, and kind of go wild. These are just not for human consumption. These were not designed for that, and they're way too rough on that cannabinoid system. Our natural cannabinoids might activate at the same level for less than a second, and here we are taking these chemicals that are just super artificial and, and not designed for this kind of thing. So it is unfortunate. We do see some wild, psychotic-type behavior in response to these, and uh, with the wild uh, tachycardia produced, some of the heavy heart rate, we're actually seeing cases where folks have died from it. It's really sad. Is is part of the problem here also just the uh, inconsistency of the application and, and, and which particular synthetic can- cannabinoid these manufacturers might be using? I, I, I hate to make fun of any manufacturer, but the, the safety and rules around this, just it's not there. There's no necessary or sufficient uh, inspection system. There's no way to require testing on these given the way they're marketed. It's really just a very dangerous set of habits. And I encourage everyone to stick with the plant that has the 5,000 year history of safety and stay away from these. Yeah. It's amazing how prohibition has actually made a form of cannabinoid that's harmful. (laughs) It's just a, a sad, sad effect of prohibition. All right. Let's take a look at this other study that we've got that says that teens are turning to marijuana to self-medicate for stress and anxiety. Uh, it almost sounds like one of those, uh, department of no duh type of, uh, (laughs) of studies, but what can we learn from this one? I hate to sound like an old man, but the bottom line here is that teens are just trying to do way too much and they're under way too much stress. So I think the tacit assumption that they're all supposed to work 10 jobs and play three sports and in order to get to college, get all A's, or they're going to have a life of total misery is really the message we want to fight. In fact, your teenage years should be an enjoyable time where you get to make good friends and try out new things and just get to know yourself, not work morning and night in hopes of some bogus reward somewhere down into the future. And so what a stunner, the one time they say they can, you know, let down, uh, the one time when they feel like, hey, I I obviously don't want to work now because I I perhaps can't, uh, is to turn to cannabis. And we've seen uh, from Stacy Gruber's lab and some of the other labs, that heavy use early in life is just not a great idea. And if these folks had the chance, they could lighten up a little bit, do a little time management, a little relaxation, get the chance to do some light exercise, and just have a little time for fun, and they'd be doing markedly better. Uh, it's It's kind of a shame that they feel that they're so stressed out that they have to turn to cannabis at such a young age. Yeah, uh, too much stress, too much work, too much homework. We need to uh, lighten up a little bit on these teenagers, and maybe they won't feel the need to uh, switch over to those sorts of things. Well, Dr. Mitch, that's all the time we've got for today's segment. I want to encourage people to check out Dr. Mitch's podcast on CannabisRadio.com. Burning Issues is available weekly. And uh, Dr. Mitch, thanks for joining us today. 
Always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. All right. Stay tuned, folks. When we come back, we will have time for a radical rant. We ask, what the f*** is up with North Dakota when we return? This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Total war against public enemy number one. And federal criminal penalties for the one ounce of marijuana. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug. Legalization is just another word for surrender. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. This is not medicine. This is a cheat and charm show. Encourage people to use less drugs. I am ill. That was the point. I think it would be a mistake to leave us. Negative reports coming out of Colorado. Don't smoke marijuana. All right, welcome back, everybody. Time for the rant. And I just got to ask one question. What the f*** is wrong with North Dakota's legislators on medical marijuana? I mean, what is hell is going on there? I mean, first of all, you've got the barbaric cruelty of proposing a law legalizing vehicular manslaughter. Have you heard of this? Yeah, they got all those protests there because of the Dakota Access Pipeline. So they want to make it legal to run over a protester with your car. I know it has nothing to do with weed, but that just gives you some idea what we are dealing with here in North Dakota. Currently, they're proposing another bill called SB 2344 that would rewrite the entirety of Measure 5, the medical marijuana initiative that we passed with a staggering 64% of the votes last November. These changes that they're proposing have nothing to do with improving public safety and nothing to do with improving the functioning of their beginner medical marijuana program, but they do plenty to add hardship to the sick and disabled patients and the providers trying to heal them. Let me give you a look at what's going on in North Dakota. First of all, when we passed Measure 5, again, almost two out of three voters voted for this. Measure 5 dictated that patients should be allowed to possess up to three ounces of usable marijuana and purchase that amount every two weeks. Every two weeks, go get your three ounces. And that amount is pretty much in step with most of the medical marijuana states. But this SB 2344 dictates that patients can only purchase two and a half ounces of usable marijuana every 30 days. So, you patients who may have needed as much as six ounces a month for your debilitating condition, tough luck You're just going to have to make do with less than half of that. And Measure 5 stipulated that usable marijuana means, quote, the dried leaves and flowers of the marijuana plant and any mixture or preparation of those dried leaves and flowers, including but not limited to tinctures, ointments, and other preparations, end quote. Well, 2344 eliminates the use of whole plant cannabis. It redefines usable marijuana as, quote, a liquid, including an oil or a pill delivery form of marijuana. And that usable marijuana, quote, does not include the dried leaves or flowers of the plant. Vaporization of cannabis oils are not allowed if the vapor would be inhaled by a non-patient minor child. End quote. So... 
you're a puking chemotherapy patient relying on the fast-acting, easily-dosed smoking of marijuana, well, you're just going to have to get used to swallowing and keeping down a pill or liquid form of cannabinoid. And then wait 45 minutes for it to digest, and then discern whether or not that was enough, and then repeat the process if it wasn't. Furthermore, Measure 5, which again, may I remind you, passed with almost two-thirds of the vote. Measure 5 made no distinction between pediatric and adult uses of medical marijuana aside from the requirement that you get consent from the legal guardian of the child. But this 2344 limits minors to pediatric medical marijuana oil, which is defined as cannabidiol oil that contains no more than 6% THC. (laughs) Less than 6% THC for minors. Oh, and for the purposes of this law, a minor means an individual under the age of 21. So... If you're a 20-year-old veteran returning from war with a case of post-traumatic stress, you only get to use the same kind of non-psychoactive cannabis oil that sometimes help epileptic five-year-olds, but is nearly worthless for your condition. Now, Measure 5 didn't indicate what the cost would be for a patient to get their mandatory identification card, their, their medical marijuana card. They did specify that a replacement card for like, you know, like a change of address would cost 25 bucks. And it specified that cards for operators in the industry, you know, like a bud tender needs to get a bud tender card, that those, those cards would cost 125 bucks. So it was assumed, it was thought that the card cost would be somewhere in there, right? 2,500 bucks, somewhere in there. Huh? SB 2034, 2344, jacks up the patient's registry card fee to $300. That's 50% higher than the most expensive medical marijuana cards in America. Right here in Oregon, it costs 200 bucks. New Jersey costs 200 bucks. So, patient who is already going to have to spend more money for the gas to drive to a dispensary to purchase non-smokable cannabinoid products that will cost far more than the expense of growing cannabis at home, By the time you add up the cost of the physician visits and the card you need, it's probably going to cost you upwards of a thousand bucks. Now, Measure 5 did specify that caregivers could not have a felony record and would have to get a card to cover their treatment of up to five patients. So you could become a caregiver, you could take care of five patients if you don't have a felony. But it didn't set the cost for what that caregiver card would be. Well, SB 2344 sure does. It sets the caregiver card at $300. And they also changed the language in it a bit. In the original Measure 5, there was a form you had to fill out to be a caregiver. And it said, put the name of the patient, parenthesis S, right? Patient or patient's name, patient or patient's address, patient or patient's city, and so on. The new bill takes out the the parenthesis S part, makes it just patient, and says you have to complete a new form for each one of your five patients. And each one of those forms has to have a $300 card that goes with it. That's right, folks. 
We're talking about a possibility of up to $1,500 in card fees if you wanted to care for five patients. Oh, and by the way, it's not just drug felonies anymore that prevent you from being a caregiver. Drug misdemeanors have been added to this bill. So suppose you've got five war buddies. You want to help them treat their chronic pain with medical cannabis. Not only do you have to shell out $1,500 to be their caregiver, but if you got busted sharing a joint with one of them to ease post-traumatic stress back in 2014, sorry, you can't apply to be a caregiver anyway. Now, Measure 5 also set up some of the rules for the dispensaries. The non-refundable application fee for a dispensary is $5,000. That's pretty typical. Most of the states are like that. And then it's a $25,000 annual license fee. That's not too bad either compared to most of the states. For the employees, if you want to get your bud tender card, for example, $125 non-refundable fee for your worker registration card. And again, this isn't too off the, the, the standard for most of the states. But this SB 2344 in North Dakota jacks the annual license fee up times four, $100,000 a year for your, for your dispensary, and the worker's card jacks it up to 300 bucks. So for the patient who's already spending all that money on doctors and cards and non-smokable cannabinoid products, get ready for those prices to be even higher because now the dispensaries have to offset all that overhead. Now, Measure 5, which was passed by 64% of the people, set no limits on the number of growers and dispensaries that would be licensed in North Dakota. Thus, the market would determine how many would be needed and where they'd be located to adequately supply the patients. Well, can't have that. Nope, SB 2344 sets a limit of four growers and eight dispensaries for the entire state. So, if you're one of those patients living in the great rural expanse of the Northern Plains, sit back and see where in North Dakota's four major cities of Fargo, Bismarck, Grand Forks, or Minot, figure out which one of those cities you'll be driving to once a month to acquire your medicine. Now, Measure 5 also thought of that. Measure 5, passed by 64% of the voters, considered the possibility that someone might be living way the hell out in the country. And it proposed that patients who lived farther than 40 miles away from a dispensary could cultivate their own cannabis for medicinal purposes. Now, that's pretty strict. It's stricter than the 25-mile home grow ban that states like Arizona and Nevada have. But it was the first state to allow some home growing since 2012. But then again, if, if SB 2344 is not going to allow you to have whole plant medical marijuana, then patients can't be growing it at home, can they? Nope. SB 2344 strikes the entire section on home cultivation. So, if you're a patient living in Fortuna, North Dakota, get used to making that monthly two-and-a-half-hour drive to Minot or the four-hour drive to Bismarck one way to buy your two-and-a-half ounces of non-smokable cannabinoid pills, oils, or tinctures. Folks, what is the point of passing these initiatives 
if the legislatures are just going to rewrite the entire damn thing in a way that completely invalidates most of what we wrote the law for. It's not as if this is new. It's not as if medical marijuana is some brand new policy. We've been doing this for 20 years. We know what works. We know what doesn't. But somehow these lawmakers who resist marijuana reform at every opportunity, we show them the polls. We show them the studies. We show them the need to end this marijuana prohibition, and they fight it every step of the way. They fight it tooth and nail. Finally, we actually pass this stuff through initiative. Oh, now they want to get involved with policy. Now they want to figure out some rules and regulations. And this isn't just North Dakota, folks. In Massachusetts, they passed legalization in Massachusetts, and this was supposed to start going into effect as of 2018, January 1st, 2018. Nope. They went and changed that. The lawmakers decided they needed to push that back by six months because we want to make sure we're doing it right. It's all brand new. We've never done this before. As if there aren't already four states that are legal. Now, get this. Massachusetts can't figure out how to license 75 growers, 75 processors, and 75 retailers. Boy, they need a lot of time to figure that out. But when Uber and Lyft came along, You know, Uber and Lyft, the ride sharing companies, the lawmakers in Massachusetts implemented regulations for Uber and Lyft a year ahead of schedule. That's right. Somehow they were able to figure out how to do criminal background checks across state and federal databases for thousands of independent drivers working unpredictable schedules for two multinational online ride sharing services. That was easy peasy. But 75 growers of marijuana? Oh, my God, we need more time. Hell, in Maine, in Maine, the voters passed their question one, said that cannabis ought to be regulated by the Maine Department of Agriculture, Conservation, and Forestry. You know, regulate cannabis as if it were a plant. Whoa, blow my mind. Well, that wasn't smart, according to the legislature there in Maine. They've decided that it should be regulated by the alcoholic beverage and lottery people. (sighs) What good does it do us to pass these initiatives if the legislators are just going to overrule the will of the people? Well, folks, that's all the time we got for hour one here. Stay tuned. Hour two is next. Toker Talk Radio. You can talk. You can talk. You can talk about Toke. Our phone lines will be open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. You can call us 650-534-2565. Thanks for joining us here for the premiere of season five. Back on YouTube and better than ever. For everyone here at Delta 9 Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers!